love a few weeks ago we had some new voices preaching at our services and today we're in for a treat again. It's so incredible when we get to hear from people that aren't normally up the front here. As we come around to our month on commitment, you know the first person we've got speaking this morning, they behind the scenes do so much more than I think a lot of us know and understand. You know, when we've got working bees on, I was thinking about it just as I was talking about the working bees just before, and we've got working bees on there. This family don't always get here on the day, but I would probably say over the last four or five years, almost without a doubt, I know if he's coming or not. And most of the time, if they can't make it on the day, then it's, hey, can we do something during the week? And they'll come in and de-head the agapanthus or they'll come in and do some weeding or come in and trim a hedge and come in beforehand to just do something. You know, as a, as a pastor and someone that's organising an event like that, it just speaks so much of this family and of this individual. You know, always willing to help out when it comes to hospitality needs, inviting people over to their house, but providing food for, for events and things that are happening here. Incredible heart to serve in our kids' team. When circumstance would mean that most people would bail and go, nah, I'm too committed time-wise elsewhere. This guy's gone, nah, I'm going to keep pushing on, which is phenomenal to have a male just so keen and committed to our kids' ministry and say, I want, while you're still standing, to put your hands together and welcome Jason Cookle to the pulpit this morning to come and bring a word. Thank you, sir. I'll get out of your way and stop taking up your time. Thanks, team. Well, good morning, everyone. Stacey, can I have that... um little cartoon up on the screen. And thank you very much for that. Very kind. Uh, uh, welcome, John. There's somebody who's good at maths. <laughs> I did do a, um, a little test with a few people before, and I think those who were good at maths seemed to get it, and perhaps those that didn't, uh, not so much. Uh, so maybe if you've got somebody good in maths in your family, you can get them to explain it to you afterwards. Uh, But today, of course, we're talking about commitment. Um, In James chapter 1, verses 2 to 7, it says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith and without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. It's pretty strong words uh, that James writes. 
As I said, this month's theme is commitment, and these verses certainly do speak of commitment. Perhaps we could make it a little bit clearer, though, if we were substituted a few words. I'm going to substitute the word faith with commitment and uh, doubt with lack of commitment. So we'll read it again with substituting those words. It says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your commitment produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask with commitment, without any doubting. The one who lacks commitment is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now before anyone gets too concerned that I'm changing the word of God, a synonym for faithfulness is commitment. Plus, of course, I checked with Pastor Bruce that he was okay with it. (laughs) There is a great word picture about commitment in Luke chapter 9, 62, where it says, Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now today we often think about ploughs being big machines, they're probably GPS guided, the farmer can get in and sort of press the buttons and away she goes. But if you think about at the time that this was written and think about even 100 years or so ago when there was one person standing behind a plough, perhaps being pulled by an oxen or a mule or something else, that person actually had to really pay attention because they had to guide that plough. It was pretty hard through the dirt. You might have had an animal pulling, but they had to guide that to get nice straight uh, ploughing, nice straight furrows. And if they didn't do that, if their attention wandered and looked over here or looked over there or looked behind them, then you can imagine that things would be going all over the place, which, of course, is not going to be very uh, productive. So, again, that says, no one who puts a hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Similarly, if you were sailing a boat and not paying attention to the wind and the waves... The results could be disastrous, perhaps a broken mast, a person overboard or a capsized boat. Um, And I'm sure that the Hancocks know all about that. I'm sure Andrew pays a lot of attention when he's out there on the boat, making sure that things are going to go the right way, particularly if the waves get stronger. Picking up halfway through verse 6 in James, it says, For the one who lacks commitment is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind, bit like Andrew in that sailboat. If he lacked commitment, who knows what would happen to him. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. If Andrew lacked commitment in his sailing, he probably ought not to expect to come back with the boat. So how do we avoid being tossed about? Verse 6 simply says we must ask in faith. So what does asking in faith mean? The definition of faith is having complete trust or confidence in someone or something. James chapter 2 verse 26 says that faith without works is dead. In the case of James 1.6, the outworking of faith is commitment. Uh, Catherine and I have been lucky enough to go to China a number of times, but when we were there in 2006 in Shenzhen, which was a very fast-growing city uh, at that time, probably still is, 
we literally were driving out to see an electronics factory and uh, because part of this part of Shenzhen was actually quite mountainous, they were actually carving away at some mountains and putting them in the valley so that they could actually build, build on flat areas. And we literally actually went past a mountain where, as if you can imagine a mountain up like, you know, normal shape of a mountain, half of it had literally been cut away and pushed into a valley. In Matthew 17, 20, it says, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Of course, the Chinese not only had to believe or have faith, I'm not sure that they would have thought about it that way, but they also had to be committed to see the outworking of that faith. Just saying, move into that valley mountain wasn't going to do it. They actually had to be committed and there had to be some outworking of that faith. Faith often seems to be something that's intangible. Commitment is tangible faith. So faith in this context equals commitment. And what I want to challenge you today is to think about commitment being something where a commitment to unwaveringly believing that God will answer your prayers, that God will provide for you, and that God does have a plan for us to live in victory. Let me say that again. That God will answer our prayers, that God will provide, and that God does have a plan for us to live in victory. So thinking about that first point, that God will answer our prayers, how do we ask God the right way? We do that by asking for his will to be done. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 10, Jesus gave us the model prayer. He says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But what if his will's not always what we want? Like John alluded to it before. Sometimes we think, Oh God, this is what we want. We can know that his will for us is always the best outcome regardless of what we might be thinking. But we can only know this when we know his commitment to us is absolute. If you don't have a conviction today that his commitment to us is absolute, then you're not going to be sure about that. Matthew chapter 7, 9 to 11 says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? As an example of that, thinking about it as a father, my son, uh, one of my sons usually asks for my car to be able to go to work. Um, and I, in return, often ask him to make sure that that car is washed. Now, sometimes it doesn't get washed, but I still give him the car because I'm interested in his, in his financial well-being, that he gets to save the kilometres on his car, he gets to save the fuel. So how much more so, is if I as a father uh, want to do that for my son, how much more does God want to do that for us? So coming to the second part about God providing for us, how do we not doubt about God's provision? It's relatively simple, by committing to respond the same way regardless of God's answer. How often is our faith, our commitment to God, dependent on whether he answers our prayer the way we wanted him to answer that prayer? 
I've recently resigned from my job. I've got till February to find another one. But so I'm obviously applying for jobs at the moment. And, and I look at some jobs and I go, that would be fantastic. I would really love to have that job. job. God, give me that job. But then when I don't get that job, my response has to be the same every time. The same as it would be as if I did get the job. It has to be, thank you, Father, because I know he's got something better for me. It's not always easy to do that. And you can still be a little bit disappointed and some of those things are natural, but my response, I have to be committed in my response to respond the same way every time. In Luke chapter 12, verses 27 to 28, it says, Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory was adorned like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? So the third part of that was living in victory. How do we live in victory? By committing to seek God first. I'll repeat that again. How do we live in victory? By committing to seek God first. That means praying, worshipping, reading his word, coming to church, seeking God regularly. Sometimes, you know, we all don't all, all have uh, the time that we might like, but I've, I've found myself recently, you know, praising God to all sorts of songs in the car because I have to drive a lot for work. Um, and sometimes that's ironic because I sometimes think, well, hang on, the words that that person's singing, the words that I'm singing are sort of totally <laughs> incongruent. But nonetheless, it's about being committed and seeking God and placing ourselves in his presence on a regular basis. How many of you would consider that the greatest victory as a parent is for our children to commit their lives to Jesus and follow him all their days? My father, when I, was, when I was growing up, went to church every Sunday, no matter how he was feeling. Didn't matter whether he was feeling sick, didn't matter whether he was upset with the pastor, didn't matter whether the, uh, he and my mum had had a fight. Uh, didn't matter what it was, they committed to going to church every Sunday. And I remember one day over a Sunday lunch, and, and I'd been married for a long time by this time, my father said to me I, that he didn't think that he'd been a good father. And I said to him that he had, um, by demonstrating to us his commitment to God, by going to church every Sunday, regardless of how he felt, he had shown that commitment. He'd shown that he'd put God first in his life. And so whilst I've had to make a decision for myself to choose to trust God and choose to follow God, my father's commitment told me that God was real and that Jesus was real. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 but says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be given to you. Just in summing up, in this context, faith equals commitment. A commitment to unwaveringly believe that God will answer our prayers, that God will provide, that God does have a plan for us to live in victory. Is your commitment to these things unwavering today? God's commitment to us is unwavering, but is your commitment to those things unwavering? Do you know without a shadow of a doubt that God will answer your prayers? 
that God will provide for you and that God does have a plan for you to live in victory. If you said no to any of these questions or even if you're unsure, make a commitment today to be committed. Committed to responding the right way to God when you don't seem to be getting the answer you want. Know that there's a better answer coming. Committed to declaring positively to your family and friends that God will provide, even when you don't know his plan or can't see that, where that provision is coming from. Committed to seeking him every day and always, sometimes just being consistent like my dad to ensure you live in victory. Coming back to James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, But any of you... But any of you lacks wisdom in this regard, ask God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to you. So let's just pray for a moment. Father in heaven, today we pray for your wisdom in every situation, that we may know without doubt your commitment to us, and in turn that our actions will show the commitment to show our commitment to you. Father, we pray that not only will you live free of doubt, that we will live free of doubt and anxiety, but that others will come to know you as we live a life of victory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, fantastic. Let's put our hands together and thank Jason for that. Thank you, sir. Like a natural up here, Jason. Love it. Could be up here again. Do we think? Come on. New voices. Love them. Our next new voice this morning is a uh, guy who has literally grown up in this house and thinking about commitment. I think I've told this story from the front before, but I remember um, when Shane was starting to learn to drive and I did quite a bit of driving with him. And uh, we'd drive around while he was on his L's and um, taught him to do a hill start on the dirt going up to Mount Barker Summit. And he's like, why are you making me do it on dirt? I'm like, because if you can do it on dirt, you can do it on bitumen. And uh, so I made him do that. But he was committed to driving on drives out towards Lobethal. (laughs) And uh, I was like, I just don't get the... It took me a little bit to catch on to why we kept driving out to Lobethal and then by the post office in Lobethal, there's a road, post office road, it's called, and, uh, and he always used to turn up there and then we'd go up there a little bit and turn around and come back and it was uh, a little bit down the track, maybe a couple of weeks later that I was like, why do we keep coming down here? And he started to slow down going past a certain house. <laughs> and then it dawned that he was stalking someone and it was extremely creepy but he was committed to the cause. <laughs> And she is now his wife, so how good is that for commitment? And, uh, but I love this guy. He, <laughs> in many ways, uh, I've always said he's, before I had my own biological kids, he, I've always called him my son and I, I love, have loved his journey, just watching him grow um, in a worship team through youth and uh, now one of the youth leaders and just a real heart for the house, a heart to see people get saved and so I know this guy is committed and uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing what he's got to say this morning about commitment. So come on Shane, 
Thank you, Pastor John. What? That's so creepy. I don't remember it like that at all. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, wow. Oh, well, there you go. What, what an introduction. Um, for those of you who don't know, my name is Shane. Uh, I have grown up in this church, been in this church for as long as it's been around and most of my life. So it's been awesome. Um, ha- yeah, <laughs> I ha- yeah, that's just thrown me completely, that <laughs> creepy story. I hope you guys don't think I'm creepy. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. Let's get into the Word. We're going to read from James 1. Uh, starting at chapter 2, where it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So, yeah, as I've said, I've been in this church most of my life. Um, Some of you may have known me as a teenager, like John was alluding to, he definitely did. And, you know, I was a bit moody as a teenager. As a kid, I, I thought, I think I was pretty happy, pretty chilled, not, not much to worry about. But as a teenager, you know, emotions struck and I was up and down and it, it was, I'm sure, a challenge for those who were in leadership over me. It was definitely a challenge for my mum. But she was so committed to uh, the house of God and bringing us no matter what uh, day it was. She always said she knew exactly if it was going to be a good day or a bad day when I woke up. <laughs> I don't know what that means. But, you know, there's, if there's a greater... Uh, for me, there isn't a greater example of commitment. Um, regardless of what was going on in her life, she was a pillar. She always spoke good things into our life good things about church, good things about our leaders, and the only reason that I can stand here today is because of her. So why don't we just give her a hand? The champion, the champion of commitment. Um, so anyway, yeah, I got older, um, and as a young, a, a younger adult, because uh, I guess I am still a young adult, I would say I had joy, but Probably not joy that persevered. And in that same way, I still had a lot of emotions and feelings that I dealt with that I kind of didn't understand, didn't know how to kind of express them. And that came out as a lot of anger sometimes. Sometimes angry at people. Uh, sometimes angry at myself. Oh, a lot uh, angry at myself. And so that meant, you know, this overwhelming uh, sense of what surrounded me. And probably painted a bad picture of what I thought surrounded me. Um, and so that gave into self-destruction, self-medication, uh, you know, just trying to get through the next day, making things okay, um, and, and trying to, like, be this happy guy uh, that I thought everyone thought I was. Um, then, you know, stuff happened again, um, Anna and uh, myself, we were together, but we, we split up. And, you know, she had to find herself in Jesus, and, and I did too. Um, but I remember at that point, that, was, that cut me, you know. Uh, we were set. 
in my mind, and it had been spoken over our lives that we were going to get married and it was all going to be hunky-dory, you know, and we were going to be married by 21 and it was all going to be good. And to kind of have that just not a reality anymore, I was obviously very cut and so my emotions welled up again and <laughs> that would definitely have been the biggest trial emotionally in my life. Um, I remember a distinct moment that it all became, became too much. I was watching some preaching video, probably Stephen Furtick or something, and I just got frustrated because um, I was writing down notes and I was like, you know what? This just isn't working. This isn't real. Like, I can read all this stuff and repeat it, but it's just not real. It's not, it's not actually changing my heart and it's not changing my life. And I just got to a point where I was like, you know what? I'm sick of this. I'm absolutely sick of being sad. I'm sick of thinking it's always going to get better, but it never actually does. And then this, I remember it so clearly, overwhelming feeling came over me and I was just like, this deep like gut-wrenching cry came out of me that I've never experienced before and probably never again. It was like this just weeping, you know, I was a mess, tears flying everywhere. And, but it was coming from this like core inside of me that was, it was gut-wrenching and it was just this plea to God like, God, I've had enough of, of this. So you either do an Enoch or an Elijah and take me now or when I stand up, you know, I'm going to be a new man. I'm going to be set on a course that's going to be real. I'm going to have joy. I'm going to be able to preach to my friends in a real way that they can just see on my life. And as soon as I stood up, nothing really changed. I felt this, I felt like incredible love enter my life. This, I, I felt a lot of hate. And when you feel a lot of hate surrounding you, it's really overwhelming and it's really intimidating. But that all left in that moment. So I guess it did change. But I just felt this love. I felt this warmth in my spirit. Nothing had changed. And I got a clear word from God. I wrote it down. And it was a distinct word that I stuck on my computer screen because I was there every day. And I just read it to myself every day. And, you know, everything that surrounded me said the opposite to what that said. Um, and I just had to keep saying it over my life in faith. And there were times where it's like the devil was getting on me saying, you are not changed. You're exactly the same. You're weak. And, and that hate kind of started to creep in. And that's when I, I discovered I did have this new joy. You know, I had this new change, uh, new change in my heart. My heart was actually hearing, uh, healing. My spirit was soaring. And these battles that were around me actually seemed doable. And that's where my life started to change. And that was when I started to actually see genuine joy. So I realized through all of that, as we read James, my number one point is we actually do have to go through trials. I watched, we watched Evan Almighty the other day. Terrible movie. I actually really don't like it. She loved it. <laughs> Like, I liked it. It was kind of cool. But, like, why were all the animals even there? It didn't make sense. Because the only thing that got flooded was their little town. But they had zebras and elephants and giraffes. I'm like, what were they there for? Just the ride? And where did they go? It didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. No, I didn't. I'm just saying right now, biblically, not sound. Just saying. (laughs) 
Just saying. But there, there was this little conversation between God and, and Evan, and it really struck me because I've been really into James at the moment and reading all of this. And he said, you know, people pray that they would have more faith, or people pray that they would have more hope, or people pray that they could have more love, or more money, or more of this and more of that. And he said, but my answer is always, I give them an opportunity to get more hope. I give them an opportunity to have more faith, to grow their faith. I give them an opportunity to persevere. And that was like, I'm like, okay, well, that I can clutch onto. That is in the Word of God. I've seen that before. So, you know, it's not totally biblically unsound, that movie. But it did reinforce, you know, we need to have trials. That's what tests our faith. That's what matures us. It helps us lack nothing. You know, you don't actually have to suffer and do self-destructive things to get through trials. Your trials will actually never end if you self-medicate to get a way out. The world tells us that the last thing you should do when you're going through a personal trial is to stop serving and, and just don't keep giving because you've given enough. You know, and you might, in a trial, you might think, they don't understand what I'm going through and how hard it would be for me to, let's just use an example, for me to rock up to coffee team this morning and serve people with a smile, you know, because I'd be faking it. I can't have a smile for right now. I'm devastated. My heart is broken. I don't know if you can relate to this, but I can. I'm not trying to minimize or mock what you might be going through. If anything, this word for me maximizes the reality of how we can go through trials with a smile if we understand the freedom we have in Jesus. So my number two point is the deliverance we seek in God is not God pulling us out of the situation. So no, the deliverance comes in standing firm on His Word and walking through the trial with His rod and staff guiding us. This seriously is the only way to get pure joy. It's the only way where we can see a trial and it not phase us. And I'm not saying that the workings of that trial will be any easier, but to go through something with pure joy, it's, you, it's, you can't defeat that. And pure joy only comes from knowing our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And I believe the only way to get through trial and trial and trial again is to actually find this pure joy. That's how we stir up a broken world. That's how we catch the attention of hurting people who, who see us filled with pure joy. You know, it may seem like a simple message, and it kind of is, but I think it's one that we as believers can often miss and we kind of forget, especially when we're faced with trials. Sometimes they are really hard and they, sometimes they are really horrible. But we go through them and we get overwhelmed by what surrounds us. We forget the word that encouraged us to even make the commitment in the first place. Maybe you're sitting like that this morning right now, where you're like, yeah, I made this commitment, but I don't remember why. This isn't how I thought it would be. And in fact, I think that's how commitment works. You, a commitment is when you say something and you actually have no idea what is going to involve? Um, I think if you reflected right now on every commitment you've made, it's always gone a different way than you thought it would. And it's always been different challenges. And maybe the challenges you were ready for didn't even happen. And now you've got all this stuff that you were prepared for. And you're like, well, I don't need that because I've got to get this. For me, that's always been the case. Commitment 
is always different as it actually unfolds. But we can lose our joy because we give in to that. Maybe we give in to hurt. Maybe we give in to pain. Maybe it's just really hard work and we weren't wanting that. The negative and destructive words that surround us by other hurting broken people who don't have that revelation of hope in Jesus and that joy. What if we can make a commitment this morning that says, God, I reject the destructive words of the world and accept the holy promises made over my life. No matter what the noise around me is screaming, I will stay steadfast in your word and commit to serving you and pressing forward in these trials with pure joy in my spirit. See, joy is a choice. And I don't say that lightly because I'm not trying to minimize if you don't feel like you have joy, but it is a choice. You got to wake up every morning and be like, God, we've got a big one today. But God, I want your joy. I want this in my life. I want to see through your lens. I want every decision I make to go through you first and then to the world. I think for that, that's the only way we can persevere and not grow weary. So my third point is perseverance doesn't have a frown, which is a big one. I think for all of us, sometimes we think perseverance is like blood, sweat and tears, hard work that kind of results in pain and struggle and you know, look what I've done, I've persevered. It was really hard, but I've done it. And then quite often after that, you just fall on your face anyway. And then you're like, ah, oh, I didn't do it. And I'd, I've been through all this pain and now it, it kind of just sucks again. I think for me, I've, I've spent a lot of my life misinterpreting what perseverance is. Perseverance has a smile because to persevere in faith is to know Jesus. And for me, Jesus has a smile I've always had this image of Jesus going to the cross before that picture, before he was hung. You know, he's still in his way. And I'm in the crowd with all this guilt and shame and this sin. And he just kind of looks back at me with a smile. And I don't know, remember when I first got this picture, but it's always stuck with me. He just looks at me with a smile and just one that's just full of pure commitment and love to me, you know. And I'm sure you can relate to that. There's been times in your life where maybe guilt has riddled you, maybe shame has. But today and every day, Jesus is looking at you with a smile. And he's paid for that. It's gone. That's what that represents for all of us, that we continually are shown love and grace by Jesus. You know, it's a smile of hope, a smile that does not have any other agenda apart from giving his life to set you free. Come on, this is the hope we have in Jesus. This is how we fight our battles. This is how we stay smiling. This is how we stay filled with hope. This is how we preach good news and we don't grow weary. This is how we stay committed to this house. This is how we stay committed to His people. This is how we stay committed to His Word. This is how we stay committed to His laws. And this is how we stay committed to Him. There's no other way. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Fantastic. How good is that? You know, as the worship team come back up, we come to a, a close today. You know, both of what both Jason and Shane said to 
in my head, bring them together. You know, Jason asked these three questions towards the end of his message. I hope you wrote them down. But do you know without a shadow of a doubt that God will answer your prayers? Do you know without a shadow of a doubt that God will provide for you? Do you know without a shadow of a doubt that God does have a plan for you? And not just a, not just a plan, but a plan to live in victory. So just as we close our eyes, just to block out the distractions, the people around us and just have a think about those three questions. Do you know? Because I know that God does answer prayer. I know that God does care enough about you. I know that He, that he will provide for you. Because He's provided for me. He's provided for many of us in this room. And I know that he's got a plan for you. Not just a plan to get through life. Not just a plan to survive. But a plan to live in victory. Since Shane quoting from the the book of Evan Almighty talk about opportunity see if you don't know those things there's an opportunity right here right now this morning to come face to face with your creator and begin a journey of walking side by side through life into victory you know in the book of Revelation in the Bible it says I stand at the door and I knock you know if someone knocks at your door there's an opportunity you can either go and open it or you can just stand and just go no I'm going to ignore that right now I want to tell you that that God is standing at your door and He's knocking. He's going, I want to come in. I want to come into your life. I want to walk in a relationship with you. I want to walk in victory with you. You've got the opportunity this morning. Whether you're here sitting in this meeting, whether you're listening online, in the days and weeks to come, you've got an opportunity right here, right now to open that door. Because God's standing and He's knocking. Are you going to open the door to Him today? You know, with every eye shut, with every head bowed, it's between you and God. I'd love you to say these words in your head, just internalize it if you. If you don't want to say it out loud, if it might be a little bit embarrassing, say, God, I open the door. Tell him this morning that you're opening the door. Invite him in. 
God, I invite you in to my life. God, I invite you in. Come, sit, eat. Let's journey together. If you just said those words, if you thought those words, I'd love you to come and speak to me after the meeting. If you're listening online and you said those words, I'd love you to just email us. We'd love to connect with you. But I'd love to pray with you a little more and I'd love to to give you some tools to help you on that journey. Introduce you to someone that can partner with you and walk on the journey with you. This could be an incredible moment in your life. So don't let the opportunity pass. You know, if you're here this morning and you've you've got any other needs, you want to respond to either or both of the messages that have been spoken there in the, the front of the church, the altar is open. If you want to come and get some prayer, then I'm sure Jason and Shane would be happy to stick around and pray with you. Otherwise, one of the team will stay and pray with you. But otherwise, go enjoy a coffee. We've got Julie Sampson preaching at the 11 o'clock service. So stick around and hear that. It's always a great word that Julie shares. Don't forget, connect groups are happening around the place in the coming days. So if you aren't involved in a connect group, come see me after the service. I'd love to hook you up with some people to do life with. But otherwise, hey, why don't I just pray and let's just close the meeting. Father, I thank you. God, for the words that Jason and Shane have both shared this morning. Father, I pray that as we leave here today, God, that we would take those words. God, we take the heart behind the words with us into our week, into the rest of our lives. That, God, we'd be able to apply these things to us, to our circumstance. Father, I pray that you would just bless each and every one of us. God, as we go into the day, into the week ahead. In Jesus' mighty name. And the people said...